And hello, everyone, and welcome to our program, The Truth Will Set You Free, Bible Prophecy Edition. I'm Big Batista, along with my co-host, Nathan Jones, with Lamb Lion Ministry. And it's great to be here with every one of you for today's program. Today, we're going to be talking about prophecy and parables. So stay tuned as we answer these questions. Can parables be understood? And what exactly do they mean? But before we continue, I'm going to ask my co-host, Nathan Jones, if he will open us up with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity to get together with my brother Vic and uh, cover your word. Lord, we just pray that you'll open our minds and hearts by your Holy Spirit to understand. Lord, thank you for all those who are tuned in. And I pray we'll all grow together in our relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Again, you're tuned into the truth will set you free. Vic Batista and Nathan Jones as we talk about prophecy and parables. But before we continue, I'm going to welcome my co-host of the program, Nathan Jones. Nathan, it's great to have you on. As always, brother, good to be on studying the word with you. I know it, it, it really is a privilege. You and I from time to time take a little break there, uh, but it's great to be back and just energized and be able to uh, serve the Lord together. So talk to me, Nathan, what's new in your world with the ministry? I know you're always up to some wonderful programs there with Tim and Dr. Reagan. And also, um, can you share with us also a little bit about the ministry just in case someone is new? Absolutely. Well, Vic and I are evangelists, uh, like he said, also with Dr. Reagan and Colonel Tim Moore and Dr. Patrick Oliver. And we serve uh, the Lord through Lamb and Lion Ministries. It's a Bible prophecy teaching ministry whose mission it is to proclaim the soon return of Jesus Christ. We do that primarily through our television show, Christ in Prophecy, which uh, you can check it out on all the major television networks. Uh, we also have a website and an Internet ministry, and I am the Internet evangelist. So that's my responsibility. And it's through ChristinProphecy.org. Check us out. We have a wealth of Bible prophecy information, TV shows, articles, uh, videos, newsletters you can subscribe to, social media groups. We have an app, the Lamb and Lion app, available for all devices. And uh, when you ask what's going on and what's new, we are preparing for on Saturday, November 14th. We're going to have a three-hour-long streaming conference, followed by a question-and-answer session with Dr. Reagan and Colonel Moore and myself. Uh, we'll hold that on our Christ in Prophecy YouTube channel. Uh, if you want more information about that streaming conference, just check it out on ChristinProphecy.org. Thank you so much, Nathan Jones. And also, Nathan, for our Espanol-speaking uh, group, they can also reach out to us, Donald, Damas, and myself. We can also do a little bit of um, uh, conferences and events in Spanish as well, right, Nathan? So we don't want to forget our, our Spanish speakers. Absolutely not. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, you if, uh, wanted all our information. Quite a lot of it, actually, is on Donald's website, which is In Defensa de la Fe. And he's translated a lot of our material. Of course, he's put Donald's and Vic's material on there as well. And that's our the Spanish version of our website. Awesome. Thank you, Nathan. We just wanted to share that for your listeners uh, because we, we oftentimes uh, forget to share that with you as well. The, uh, those of you that have um, a need for Spanish, we're here through Lamb and Lion Ministries to meet that need as well. So, Nathan, thank you so much for the wonderful information. And, Nathan, I'm excited about the conference. I'm so glad that you were able to share that because that's another wonderful outlet and opportunity. Well, COVID has been pretty rough on <laughs> conferences. We've canceled two major ones this year including quite a number of speaking engagements. And so we wanted to still hold a conference this year. And so we're going to do that. But we're going to do that uh, like almost everybody is now online. We're going to do that through our Christ and Prophecy YouTube channel. So we have plenty of Christ and Prophecy episodes. 
the inbox short teaching videos, as well as our prophetic perspective series, which is now over a hundred videos uh, to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So uh, yeah, check us out Christ and prophecy on our YouTube station. Thank you, Nathan Jones. And of course, I'm also excited because of those individuals that would like to invite Nathan or myself via Zoom, uh, we're also available, Nathan. I saw that Zoom um, invitation that you had, and it was fantastic as well. Well, praise the Lord. Yeah. I mean, if your church or Bible study uh, is uh, now online, uh, we uh, all the evangelists here at Lamb and Lion Ministries are welcome uh, or willing, I should say, to tune in. And uh, we welcome any of your invitations. And if you want to have a Bible prophecy study with us uh, online or in person. Uh, talk to your pastor or your youth group or Bible study leader, and uh, we'll we'll schedule it and make it work. Mm, absolutely. Thank you so much, Nathan. So, Nathan, again, uh, it's just exciting to see all the wonderful things that God is doing. We do want to continue to keep our nation in prayer right now in the middle of the election. And uh, it, it's, it's going to be a challenging um, uh, election, but we trust that God is going to choose the right person, right, Nathan, for the right job. Right. Uh, I mean, again, it, it's so important as Christians that we vote uh, not party or family or uh, politics, but the Bible. What does the Bible say about the issues? And so it's so important that uh, we follow the biblical model and be salt and light in this world. We might not like a particular candidate. I know I've looked at my local <laughs> Uh, candidates, and some of them are, are lacking, but they stand on the right moral platform. Uh, they're the best that we've got. And so to hold back evil, it's so important that we vote based on biblical values. Mm, excellent point. Thank you so much, Nathan Jones. And of course, today's program, we're talking about prophecy and parables. Nathan, here's a question. Uh, I mean, I hear the word parable, and maybe some people have heard the word parables, and sometimes you hear the term people say, man, you're speaking to me in parable. Somehow, people are under the impression that we cannot understand what parables are. What would you say to that? What's a parable? Well, if I can go back to my old Bible study, uh, Bible school days, back when I was at Philadelphia Biblical University, which is now Cairn University, I don't know why, but it's stuck in my head. The professor said a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Nice and sweet, huh? Simple. I love it. <laughs> earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Uh, God was, through Jesus Christ, imparting you know, subjects that are just beyond human understanding, concepts about the kingdom that were were just unfathomable. And so Jesus, being the master teacher that he is, would use stories that people could connect through through everyday events in people's lives, using symbols and typologies. And he would bring these difficult concepts down to a concept people understood by sharing an earthly story that had a heavenly meaning. And so the Gospels are just filled with parables. Mm, I love that. Thank you. Nate. And, and also we find that certain parables were prophetic. In other words, Jesus will share these with the intent of opening up truth uh, to those that will be reading and those that will be hearing. So I'm in agreement with you. In other words, these are stories that could be understood. It's not like an enigma or something that was hidden that people could not understand. And you and I are going to look at that in Matthew chapter 13, as if people simply read the word of God, they will also have the understanding that came before it. So will you be able, Nathan, to open us up there in Matthew 13 by reading to us verses 24 through 30? Ooh, the parable of the wheat and the tares. Yes, let's do. Another parable he, Jesus, put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. 
But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, there the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to him, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Do you want us to go out then and, and gather them up? And he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you shall also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say it to the reapers, First gather together tares and bind them in bundles and burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Mm. You know, Nathan, at first glance, if someone were to read this without reading the, everything in context, it's very easy to take things out of context. And that's why you and I always encourage people to read through the Bible and to read the whole story so that they don't miss. Sometimes people jump into conclusion based on half of what they have read and make a mistake. But we find that the Bible oftentimes, if people read along far enough, they can find the answers uh, to those questions. And that's what we find, right, Nathan, in verses 36 uh, through 43 of this story. We have the story, but then we also have the meaning. Would you be able to take us there, Nathan, to the meaning of that? Oh, excellent. Yes, Jesus uh, often, uh, you gotta admit, the, the disciples were a little <laughs> hard-headed at times. And they didn't understand the, what the, Jesus was trying to say. And so he, for at least the apostles, he would explain it directly to them. So verse 36 says, Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Explain us the parable of the tares of the field. And he answered and said to them, He who sows the good seed is the son of man. In other words, himself, Jesus. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. But the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so will it be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. And he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Ooh, uh, Nathan, what an amazing explanation. In other words, here we're jumping through various time periods. In other words, this parable has a lot of significance, present, past, future, and then even further future, past our time. And all that is packed in to those verses there, 36 through 43. That's amazing. It is amazing. And when you say it's different time periods, when it can, because the subject matters, the kingdom of Christ. I mean, right in the beginning of it. He, Jesus lays out the context when he says the kingdom of heaven is like. So what are we talking about here when we're talking about the kingdom of heaven? And uh, usually I have to go to Cotton Mather. He was a Puritan pastor from the 18th century in New England. And he explained what the kingdom of Christ or the kingdom of heaven was. And he said it was a threefold kingdom with the fourth yet to come. So first, the kingdom of heaven or kingdom of Christ is a spiritual kingdom wherein his word and grace rule over the consciousness of men. At the same time, second, it's a providential kingdom where Jesus directs the affairs of the world. In other words, Jesus is sovereign. The third, it's an ecclesiastical kingdom where Jesus rules over the head of the church. So Jesus is building the church on the earth. And when people think the kingdom of Christ, that's what they usually think about, the church age that we're living in, building a bigger church. But then Cotton explained that the kingdom of Christ has a fourth aspect that still is yet to be instituted, a Davidic kingdom where Jesus rules and reigns physically over all the earth. So it's taking all four of those folds together that often trips people up. For they recognize the first three, but often neglect the fourth, the Davidic kingdom. 
Now we know that this the first three parts of Christ's kingdom are happening now. God is sovereign, God is providential, uh, Christ rules through the church, but there's a time coming when those wheats and tares will be gathered and the tares will be burned up. Tares are weeds, by the way, for those who <laughs> aren't farmers. I had to look that up too. What's a tear? It's a weed. So we got the good wheat that's useful, and then we got the bad tares or the weeds that are destructive. And when Jesus comes back and returns, he will separate the wheat and the tares, and it will enter into what's called his millennial kingdom. That's the Davidic kingdom that Cotton Mather was talking about. When Jesus rules and reigns over this earth from Jerusalem over all the wheat. Nathan, I love that. Thank you so much. What a wonderful, clear explanation. And I love the fact here that we notice that Jesus is the one who's going to be doing the separation. Often the people make a church is that they try to be these Christian detectives and they start going into church, pointing fingers to see who's saved and who's not saved and who should be uh, in church and out of church. And sometimes we can be mistaken, but because it's very hard sometimes to distinguish, but here, Clearly, the Lord makes this distinction, right, Nathan? Absolutely. Only God knows whose heart is given to him. Now, as Christians, we can discern whether someone's a true follower of Jesus. It's not just religion, because there's lots of religious people, but it's relationship. And Jesus says when you have the proper relation, you're, in other words, you're saved and you're a child of God, then you have spiritual fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, so forth, so on. And you exhibit Christ's love to other people, in other words. And so that's how you can tell if a person's truly saved or not. But in the end, you're right. Uh, the tares often look like the wheat. Uh, matter of fact, uh, a lot of these weeds look very similar to the wheat. And so God's saying here, as uh, Jesus is saying in the parable, you know, uh, we wonder why evil seems to flourish. And why doesn't God punish the wicked? And why does evil all over the earth? Well, he says here, if you go and angels go out and, and gather the wheat, in other words, take them up to heaven where they belong, in the process, uh, the the destruction of the tares would also destroy the wheat. And God's not done yet with his church age. And that's why wickedness seems to continue to flourish unabated. But there will be a time, and it's one of the most prolific prophecies in the Bible, the second coming Jesus Christ. There are 500 general prophecies in 109, uh, 1 in 25 verses in the New Testament, excuse me, that point to the second coming. So over and over throughout the Bible, it's a guaranteed promise that Jesus Christ will return. And when he does, that's the harvest he's talking about. We read about it in Revelation where the tares are finally destroyed. In other words, they're, they're sent to Hades to await final judgment at the great white throne judgment before they're sent into the lake of fire or hell. And the wheat, that we get our glorified bodies and we live with Jesus Christ in his millennial kingdom and then on into the eternal state. Mm, amazing, Nathan. What what great news and comfort that is for the believers. And and living in Florida, Nathan, once I moved down here, I really got the distinction between uh, tares and also, let's say, good green grass, if you will. I lived in Miami, of course, for many years. I since relocated to Daytona Beach. And in our home, when I first came here, I would water the grass and it will all look beautiful and green. But then I noticed when the heat came and it started to dry out the greener grass, I found these roots weaved in between that I thought was grass. And I, I made the mistake of trying to pull it up, Nathan. And it was, <laughs> it was those roots and those tears, and it began to rip the ground apart. And I was just making a mess. So I got a firsthand experience about those, those tears, if you will, those roots. 
wow, it's like you're sharing your own parable. Absolutely right. It's amazing how how much the the weeds and the 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 good grass you could say look the same. Sometimes some people's yards are mostly weeds. It's once you put the weed and feed on you, you then separate the real from the fake, right? Well, uh, imagine the last time that the Lord did this was with the flood. Now, and, and what was the result? The result is that the good were separated from the wicked. And unfortunately, most of the world was wicked except Noah and his family. The Lord will do it again. It's called the tribulation. It's a seven-year time period that's been prophesied where God's going to pour out his wrath on the world over across 21 judgments. But he promises first to rapture or take out those who have accepted him as Savior, called the church, up to heaven before that happens. He separates the, the weeds and the tares in that respect. Now there'll be another crop, if you can call it that, or another harvest. There will be people saved during the tribulation, and there will be those who reject Jesus. And that's when the Lord will separate the weeds and the tares until the end. There's another crop that can be rescued and follow Jesus Christ. It's also a the sheep-goat judgment, another parable, if you want to say, uh, will, that the Lord separates the sheep and the goats in Matthew 25. But that's a whole other topic. But needless to say, it, the great question that most people get is, why is evil triumph, seemingly triumph? Why? What is the problem of evil is the theological term. And it's the reason is this, is because Jesus does not want to destroy the wheat along with the tares. He's waiting till the crop comes to full harvest. In other words, you, you don't harvest the grain in the beginning of the season. You wait till the end of the season. Likewise, all of humanity is a crop. And the Lord's waiting to the end of the age, till the harvest is complete, to then come in and do the winnowing and then bring the harvest in. Mm, amazing. Excellent point, Nathan. And that's why for us, what is being taught for us right now, the lesson is patience. We need to be patient. Oftentimes we look, especially uh, in the churches, uh, and we see so much carnality. We see so many issues and people uh, uh, are struggling with that and the challenges. But God is just. He is going to make a separation, right, Nathan? He is going to judge and clean up those that are simply um living in hypocrisy amongst the true believers. But again, we just need to be in prayer and allow, and allow the Lord to do that work uh, because he promises that that he will bring justice to the world. Absolutely. And uh, I think we should read about that, right? Uh, let's uh, not leave them hanging. Yeah, exactly. So let's jump to Revelation chapter 19, Nathan. And let's look at verses 19 through 21. As you already mentioned to us, what we can expect in the future, also in the time of the tribulation. <clears throat> All right. Well, let's talk about the end of the tribulation here, Armageddon. Most people, even if they don't know anything about the Bible, have heard of Armageddon before. And I'm not talking about the Bruce Willis movie. So verse 19 reads, And I saw the beast, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet, who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone, and the rest were killed with the sword, which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. And Nathan, again, and we're talking about the separation uh, that's going to take place. And we see that very clearly here as the Lord Jesus Christ returns, as you made that very clear, his second coming. And he's going to deal with the wicked. And also he's going to bring justice. Absolutely. And this is really confusing if you haven't read earlier in Revelation what he's talking about. But basically what happens is the whole world ends up becoming divided into two groups, those who 
have accepted Christ as their Savior during the tribulation. They were left behind at the rapture. And then those who accept uh, the uh, Satan, who rules through a man called the Antichrist and his false prophet. And they will take this, what's called Mark of the Beast, uh, a loyalty mark for Satan. So you get this big epic war at the end called Armageddon, where Satan gathers everybody who's left alive by the end of the tribulation. He makes one massive army out of all of humanity that has the mark of the beast in anticipation of Jesus returning. Well, Jesus returns with the church, with his saints and the angels, uh, but we don't engage this army. Jesus himself, he, he goes down and he just speaks. And because the Lord holds everything together, all the armies fall apart. And that's where we read that. And then he takes the the Antichrist and the false prophet, and he casts them right into hell and Satan into a deep pit. And these armies that have rejected God and his salvation, they just, they melt. It's like they, they just kind of fall apart and the blood fills the Valley of Jezreel of Armageddon up to the horse's bridle. The birds come in and eat the flesh. It's really gory and all, but that is the harvest. That is the end. It's, it's almost the very end of the tribulation. It's the last day Jesus come back. And so there we see the separation. Now, Matthew 25 gives a little more details about how the angels will gather all the people into the that are left on the planet to the valley uh, of Jehoshaphat, and there he will judge them. The tares, or the goats, are separated and sent to Hades to wait pun uh, punishment, and those who are the uh, wheat, or the sheep, they are sent to live in the millennial kingdom, Christ's Davidic kingdom, or earthly kingdom. So, this isn't a parable which you're reading about in Revelation 19. There's a lot of imagery and symbolism there that were ex was explained early in Revelation. But that's how it turns out. That's that harvest that Jesus was talking about all the way at his first coming. Excellent point. And then, of course, from, from Revelation 19, we move into Revelation 20, which continues to give us the details regarding God's separation there and binding uh, of Satan, if you will, for a certain period of time. Would you be able to take us there, Nathan, Revelation 20, verses 1 through 3? Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the keys to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should not deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. Uh, oh, Nathan, you know what I noticed too is that you made such a great um, uh, made, made such great points there by reading from the the commentary from Cotton Matters because again we're moving through the different uh, uh, stages and we move from the ecclesiastical to the Levitical and now it brings us into the time of the millennium and we see things sort of wrapping up there in Revelation twenty verses 7 through 10, because it reads, Now when the thousand years have ex have expired, Satan will be released from his prison. Notice, and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to a battle whose number is as the sand of the sea. I mean, this is amazing. And then verse 9 says, They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints, and the beloved city and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Verse 10, and the devil who deceived them was cast into the fire of brimstone where the beast and the false prophets are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So Nathan, this is just a real amazing picture 
of how these things are wrapping up. Right. So every time period is like a harvest of humanity. So at the end of the tribulation, when the sheep goat judgment, when the Lord has finished this harvest that we just were read about in the parable, the wheat and tares, uh, but that's not the last harvest. What we're reading here in Revelation 20 is the, uh, the very last harvest, the final harvest. So during the millennial kingdom, there will be people who have got saved during the tribulation and survived. They enter into the uh, millennial kingdom and they have children. Uh, it's a the lifespans are almost like that of a tree. In other words, hundreds of years again, the curse is partially lifted. Uh, people aren't as sick like they used to. And so it's estimated there might be 20 billion or more people who are living by the end of the millennial kingdom, that thousand years. But the Bible also tells us over and over again that the Lord doesn't force us upon us. He gives us free will. And the people of the millennial kingdom, too, will have a free will, those children born of the tribulation saints. And we see here that the Satan is released at the end and for the purpose of deceiving again as a rallying point for those who have lived through the millennial kingdom, but they reject Jesus. And they will rally with Satan and do one final attack about against Jesus, who's ruling and reigning in Jerusalem. And God doesn't wait for seven years or all the judgments. Fire just comes down. They're incinerated. Satan is thrown into hell. And that's the end of the millennial kingdom. The, that is the final harvest. Everybody throughout human history has had the chance to choose Jesus or not. And those who have chosen Jesus, the wheat, they go on into the eternal state. And it's the restoration of humanity back to God, just like the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve walked and talked and had fellowship with God, God's been working that reconciliation through Jesus Christ all the way around. And we're back to the beginning again. Humanity is with Jesus. Everyone who wants to be with Jesus had their sins forgiven. They're there in the eternal state. Woo, Nathan, that is fantastic. And, you know, for those of you that just tuned in as we're talking about prophecy and parables, we're looking at Matthew chapter 13 and also Revelation chapter 19 and 20. And again, we're, we're, we're putting these passages together for your understanding that you can't understand Bible prophecy. You can't understand these parables that pertain to prophecy and, and, and parables. And of course, it's for your understanding. So, Nathan, as we before we jump to Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15, as you have been giving us this wonderful chronological order, I just want to remind individuals that the way that these passages tie together is that as we look at Revelation chapter 13, and as the Lord Jesus was explaining this parable, again, he, he was very clear in Revelation 13, verse 41, that it says, the Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in in the kingdom of their father and he who has an ear let him hear again so nathan as we move now uh, to the close of this um uh, uh, harvest, if you will, uh, Revelation 20 verses 11 through 15 really wrap things up nicely. Would you be able to take us there? Sure, sure. I'll do it quickly. I know we only have a, a minute or so. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God and books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, 
and they were judged each according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Mm, and Nathan, what a, what a way to close, because again, we find there those whose names were not written. So for those of you that are part of this program, we, we want you to be sure that your name will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And that starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. So up to now, all the things that we've said, you don't have to fear, you don't have to worry when we talk about judgment and the lake of fire. For the Christian, for the child of God, you won't even smell like smoke because you're going to be raptured and you're going to be in heaven if you trust in Christ. So, Nathan, that's why you and I get so excited about giving an invitation for people to come to Christ now while there's still time, right? Right, because you never know when you're going to die or when the rapture is going to occur. You don't want to live through the tribulation. And certainly if you've rejected Jesus' salvation, uh, you can't be reconciled with the Lord. Only Jesus, as he said in John 14, 6, I the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except by me. And you can come by the Father by turning to Jesus Christ and accepting him in faith as your Lord and Savior and repenting of your sins. And if you feel that way and you believe in Jesus, then pray from your heart. Something like, dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sins and be my Lord and Savior. And Jesus will forgive your sins. The debt has been paid on the cross. Uh, the guilt will be gone and you'll inherit new life. You won't ever face that great white throne judgment. You'll be a wheat, not a tear. Mm, praise the Lord. Hey, listen, if you have trusted in Christ, we'd love for you to reach out to us and let us know that you have prayed to receive Jesus in your heart. We would love to send you a Bible and some materials so that you can continue to grow in your relationship with the Lord. And we simply want to rejoice with you because it is a time of celebration. So reach out to us, 305-992-9537. Let us know that you accepted the Lord. Or those of you following us on social media, post there, and we would love to reach out to you and celebrate uh, with you. Nathan, again, a wonderful, wonderful uh, program. And also, thank you so so much for bringing these scriptures to light and clarity for those that were tuned into the program and it's always uh, a joy to have you and to do these programs with you so thank you so much for being on it's a real blessing Vic thank you so much awesome and for those of you that uh, are tuned into this program we ran out of time for this segment of the program Vic Batista Nathan Jones saying goodbye may the Lord bless you and keep you may his face shine upon you